The Rookie Leaders Podcast, Episode 48, ATV Leadership with Todd Palmer. Welcome to the Rookie Leaders Podcast, the podcast of veteran leaders offering leadership lessons to newbies. Whether you're brand new to leadership or expanding your leadership responsibilities, this podcast will provide the knowledge and experience you need to lead courageously and effectively. This podcast is a production of the Credible Leadership Group, a coaching and consulting firm devoted to your leadership development, career advancement, and personal growth. Learn more at CredibleLeaders.com. So grab your notebook, a pen, and your bulletproof coffee as we explore the leadership lessons every leader needs to master. Now, here's your host, Michael Tanner. Well, hello there, friend. Michael Tanner here, your host. Welcome to another episode of the Rookie Leaders Podcast. As always, I am so grateful, thrilled to have you tuned into the podcast again. Thanks so much for doing just that. Hey, today, I'm really excited to share with you an interview that I had with Todd Palmer. Be sure you go and check out Todd Palmer. Find him on LinkedIn. He's Todd D. Palmer. Find him at his website, extraordinaryadvisors.com. Had a great conversation with Todd on what he calls ATV leadership. Three characteristics of leadership. I'm not going to give away the acronym. I'm going to let him do that in the podcast interview that you'll hear here in just a second. But uh, really excited to share this interview with you. I thoroughly enjoyed just having the conversation with him. And I can't wait for you to hear some of his insights, some of his thoughts on leadership as well. So be sure again, you check him out, find him on LinkedIn, Todd D. Palmer, and also check him out on his website, extraordinaryadvisors.com. Now, before I jump into the interview, I have a couple of housekeeping items for you. I want to ask you to be sure you share the podcast with others. You have family, you have friends, you have colleagues that you could benefit from the leadership content that we have here on the Rookie Leaders Podcast. I hope that you will share this podcast with your friends. So be sure you do that. You can email them, text them, do whatever you want, but just remind them, hey, You've got to go check out the Rookie Leaders Podcast. I greatly appreciate you doing that. And then also, I want to see you in the Credible Leadership community. So be sure you you subscribe to that community. You can find that at community.credibleleaders.com. I, have set, I don't have them in front of me right now, but I have several new members that I want to welcome to the community. And I'll do that in a future episode. I don't want to take that time now because I want to give it to Todd in this interview, but just be sure you check out the, the community, Credible Leadership Community at community.credibleleaders.com. You definitely want to be a part of this community. It's, it's free membership into the community, and you definitely want to be a part of that because you want to gather with these others that are increasing, improving their skills in leadership, and you want to be a part of that group. You want to be a part of that community. So be sure you check that out. Now, to give quickly an introduction here, I want to tell you a little bit about Todd, and and then we'll get right into the interview. But Todd Palmer, he's a, a coach to entrepreneurial CEOs. He's a, a strategic advisor to business leaders. 
He's an author. He's a keynote speaker. He's been in the uh, Inc. 5000, I think six times or something like that. So definitely a, a great leader here that you want to learn from. He has a great book that I was blessed that Todd gave me an advanced copy of his book. His book is entitled From Suck to Success. And it's a great book. I know it's out on Amazon on the Kindle version right now. So you definitely want to check that out as well. And then, as I mentioned earlier, he, he leads uh, the group there at, at, at Extraordinary Advisors. So check them out on his website, extraordinaryadvisors.com. And then I'll also say you can find all everything I just mentioned, the links to, you'll, you'll find his email address, you'll find links to his website, his book, everything on the show notes for this podcast episode. And you can find those show notes at credibleleaders.com forward slash zero four eight as in episode 48. So credibleleaders.com forward slash zero four eight. You'll find the show notes and all the links to everything that Todd is doing, everything that he's going to mention here in the interview with him. So without further ado, let me get over to my interview with Todd Palmer. Todd, welcome to the Rookie Leaders Podcast. Michael, thank you so much for having me. I'm glad to be here today. You and I connected just a few months back, uh, and we talked about your uh, view on leadership. We talked about the book that you've got uh, coming out here. And ever since then, I've been really excited to to have you on the podcast, to to share your thoughts and your wisdom with my audience. And, and I know we had to reschedule a couple of times there. I got a, a cold and, and I sounded like a frog and, and that wouldn't have been <laughs> pleasant for anyone. But I really appreciate you venturing through that with me, rescheduling. And now again, I'm just really excited to, to share your thoughts on leadership with our Rookie Leaders audience. So uh, thanks again so much for being on the podcast. Well, Michael, thank, thank you, first of all, for being your authentic self and saying, hey, listen, I'm not feeling up to the conversation. And my deliverable to my audience is going to be vocally impacted. So I can appreciate that yeah. that's a sometimes a difficult uh, message to send. And I appreciate you being upfront, being real, and, and putting us together today for hopefully will be a rich conversation for your audience. Yeah, I'm certain it will. And I think what I want to first share, I've recorded a, a bio introduction of, of you, but I think first, before we dive in, and I really want to dive into your book and use that as a catalyst to get into a deeper conversation. But if you don't mind first, just sharing with the audience here, kind of who you are, what you do with extraordinary advisors and, and all that. So if you'll share, that'll be great. Absolutely. So uh, first of all, I love the name of the podcast, R Rookie Leaders. Everybody at one point is a rookie leader. Right, <laughs> so exactly. It's, so it's important, I think, as we remember that as maybe we're not rookie leaders any longer. Mm -hmm. and, and a lot of the time when I'm coaching my clients at Extraordinary Advisors, I, I do a program called Inside Out Leadership. And in within Inside Out Leadership, it often deals with fears and concerns and stresses that a lot of rookie leaders, first-time leaders face, such as imposter syndrome, right. such as the itty-bitty shitty committee in their head telling them that I'm in over my head. I don't deserve this role. What if they find out what a fraud and a fake I am? So at, at Extraordinary Advisors, when I'm working with a, a leader or even a, a tenured CEO, mm -hmm. a lot of times we have to go back to that mindset, go back to them dealing with that that imposter syndrome, that, that fear of not feeling like they're enough. And that's really where they get stuck. So as a coach, I come in and help them get unstuck. And when they become unstuck, then we can put in the processes in place, the KPIs in place, the metrics in place. Because I know a lot of coaches out there 
teach just process. Mm -hmm. And that's great. There's a need for a process, but not every leader can adopt a process. So as I talk about in my new book, From Suck to Success and A Guide to Extraordinary Entrepreneurship, it is about embracing that suck. Mm -hmm. Like I got some friends who are Marines and they say, we have to embrace the suck in boot camp. When you're a rookie leader, you have to embrace the suck as well. Yeah, no, I so love that, Todd. And and I feel like that's the reason that you and I are such kindred spirits on this topic of leadership. And and we can certainly nerd out in front of the audience here (laughs) on leadership, I'm certain. But it's because I recognize that it's that inner work that you need to do as a person, as a leader, to lead effectively. I, I believe the corporate world too much places emphasis on you've earned a title or or you've gotten to a certain position or you have a team of a certain size and and you have some definition of authority and they call that leadership. And and my view is that's just not leadership at all, that that a a title or a rank or a position, it doesn't give you leadership, right? Rather, it's... it's overcoming those inner fears that you talked about. I am 27 years now into leadership and and I still understand the imposter syndrome and still struggle right. from the imposter syndrome. So I appreciate you saying that you're working even with CEOs. Yeah, we've got rookie leaders, but we've got CEOs as well. And, and the reality is we all still face these uncertainties inside and we've got to, we've got to work to overcome those in my opinion, to be, effective leaders, right? We can't use oh, title absolutely. or rank or authority. We've got to, we've got to fix ourselves internally, and then that will influence others through our leadership. So I, for me, to, to your point, I think to be a leader, we, we are of service to others. Right. We're servant leaders. And a lot of people, like you mentioned, get the title of leader or manager by you know tenure, mm-hmm. by maybe productivity, whatever. I think part of the job of a leader is really to create psychological safety within their team. Mm-hmm. And when we create psychological safety within our teams as leaders, that means we show up and we're authentic, we're transparent, we're vulnerable. I talk about it in the book, I call it ATV. And when we're an authentic leader, we, we often speak last, mm-hmm. or we should speak last. We walk into a problem often to approach the room in the problem with massive curiosity, not with the 10 great ideas that I have. Right. And then we, we culture, we create a culture that it you know, allows others to share that with us. And, and I, I can't thank you enough for you saying after 27 years, you still have imposter syndrome. I do a program every year at MIT called the uh, gathering of Titans. And this mm-hmm. is 80 CEOs who've been invited. I was my imposter syndrome. Somehow yeah. I got invited too. Yeah. Who am and I I'm, to get invited? I, yeah. Yeah. I who am I, I, do I, yeah. Do I want to be part of a class that would really have me in it? Come on now. <laughs> right. and, and so I'm sitting next to a guy one year in, in my class, who's by, in my opinion, if not the most successful, one of the top five most successful people in the room by all stretches of the imagination. And he and I got into a, a robust conversation about, imposter syndrome Mm -hmm. and how imposter syndrome feeds into depression and how do we work through that? And and I'm in my my little brain thinking, dude, you're a $500 million company. How do you have imposter syndrome? And he does. And he's a wonderful human being. And he's actually contributed to my book. His name is Brian Scudamore. And he he has a great book out there called WTF, Willing Mm -hmm. to Fail. So in his book, he talks about being willing to fail as a leader. So there's so many pieces of leadership that we don't often recognize when we get put into that position until we're faced with it. And then we, when we're faced with it, then where do we go? And yeah. at least for me, when my leaders get faced with that, they come to me as their coach yeah. and I do experience here. I give them tips and tricks. I give them some processes to get through that because again, ultimately the leader I feel should be a servant leader. And when we're really running 
at our optimal as a leader, I think there's only two jobs. Yeah. Your first job is to remove bottlenecks. And your second job is to make it easy for your employees to work with you, your teammates to work with you, That's right. or easy for your customers to do business with you. If you do those two things, which again, probably someone on the podcast, like, that sounds really easy. Try doing it. <laughs> right. That's what it's really hard. No, I totally get it. And, and I appreciate that, Todd. And, and you shared with me an advanced copy of your book and, and I've read through it. I, I haven't gotten through the whole thing yet. Just in all transparency, I haven't gotten through, finished it yet, but I've read probably about half. And okay. I love the book and, and highly recommend the book. And I know at, at the point of this podcast episode airing, the Kindle version is already available, I believe, on Amazon. Is that correct? Yeah. So uh, the book launches on February 9th. Okay. And so we're going to do the pre-launch on the 9th. Kindle version will be available then within, I think, 30 to 45 days. The hard copy will be available. Then we're right. working towards getting that audio copy out because I really... For my job as an author, my job as a coach is to be a servant leader as well. Mm -hmm. So I want to appeal to you know, people who want to read on their devices, people who want the hard copy, yeah. and and people who who are best you know best learn you know via audio book. Right, so I want right. to make sure I, I deliver that. Yeah, awesome, awesome. I, I highly recommend the audience go and and get the book and check it out. As I said, I've read through about half of it and already I recommend it. I love the book. Oh, thank you. But I want to use that. And you've already alluded to it a little bit in in the story with Brian and his business one eight hundred. Got junk, right? got that's, junk. Yeah, yeah, that's his business. And so I remember reading through that story and I want to, I want to utilize that to dive into your ATV model. But first I want to back up and, and acknowledge that you, your first chapter is all about mindset and, and all about identifying your mindset and correcting your mindset. And, and you've got a little section in there, a little story in there about being a fire, firefighter versus an arsonist. And I was reading through that and, and I just have to say, I'm thinking, wow, that's been me so many times and then so many people that I've coached and trained and all that, it's been them as well. So I really appreciate you starting with mindset because we're, we're talking about fixing ourselves internally first, overcoming imposter syndrome that requires some mindset adjustments probably that we, that we have to make, but then you move right into that to the learning to be an ATV leader. Now I'm not going to divulge what ATV means. I'm going to let you share with the audience what that means, but you get into that story with Brian and how he recognized being a leader and in, in adhering to this ATV model. So just let's dive into that. Let's maybe sure, start with the sure. A and talk through with our audience. What is ATV leadership? So ATV leadership, as I define it, is authentic, transparent, and vulnerable. And I learned that from my first coach. And my first coach I met and or engaged in 2006 because I was anything but authentic, transparent, and vulnerable. I was pride and ego. I had imposter syndrome. And then from that, I got very much into a very dark spot as the leader, as the CEO of my company. So uh, I, it was so bad. I could, there were days I couldn't get out of bed and go into the office because the business was failing. I then transferred that the business is failing. Hence, as the leader, I am a failure. Mm -hmm. The business, 10 years in, we'd gotten $600,000 in debt. The story I told myself is I had gotten a $600,000 in right. debt. Yep. And that's at about on a, a $2.5 million run rate. So the company's upside down. Mm -hmm. And I, I know that. I don't know what to do to get out of it. I wasn't dealing with my staff. I, I allowed underperformers to stay. I, I, I advocated. I didn't delegate mm -hmm. my responsibilities and my authority. And my home was on the line. My bank had called the note. I was going to lose my house. My son and I was a single parent. We we're going to be homeless. And I, my imposter syndrome, my itty bitty shitty committee had 600,000 members of it mm. screaming at me at how much I sucked. I hired my coach and 
the first thing he did was take a look at how I wasn't showing up. So I was being inauthentic. Mm -hmm. I wasn't being vulnerable with my trusted tribe. I was part of a group called EO, the Entrepreneurs Organization, and I wasn't really showing up to my meetings there. And I wasn't being vulnerable in the fact that I was so focused on me, on my pride and ego, that I refused to ask for help. So finally, I worked through all that with that coach. And as I talk about in the book, I share the word, I start the book off like a, like an action movie. Here's the worst day of my life. So imagine you go to the theater, the credits roll, all of a sudden there's a big explosion. Right, right. That was my life back in 2006 of September. And with the help of my coach, I, I learned how to become more authentic, more transparent, more vulnerable. So over the next eight years, with a lot of different pivots we made, first starting with my mindset around that $600,000 in debt, we got out of debt. And when we hockey stick the business and we made the Inc. 5000 as one of the fastest growing companies in America six times. But it all started, everything for me started with mindset shift to get me unstuck. And then I had to lean into, not away from being authentic, transparent, and vulnerable. Yeah. So there's a tremendous amount of wisdom in this ATV model of leadership, and we're going to dive deeper in that. But I also want to take this opportunity to point something out that you just said and make sure that our audience catches it. And I know you believe in coaching and I I know you're a a coach yourself. And likewise with me, I, I certainly believe in coaching, had numerous coaches over the years and do coaching. And I know that there's a lot of people in the audience that at times they feel like maybe I need a coach also but I can't really do that right now, or I can't afford that right now. And and I think there's a lot of wisdom in what you said in your story there where when you were at a point and and you said, so I think you, you were at a point that you ran the risk of being completely bankrupt and being out of your home and all that. But that's the moment in time that you selected a coach. And and I don't know the details of that, but no doubt you paid a coach and so forth. And I paid him, I paid him a lot of money. I was paying, I mean, the reality is I paid him more per month than I took home from the company. Right. Because because I realized that I couldn't do it all by myself. Yes. And I had to go into it with a mindset. They call it Shoshin, a beginner's mindset. Mm -hmm. I had to go into it with a beginner's mindset, engaging this coach, realizing that I was paying him more than I was going to make because I couldn't solve my own problems. Right. I didn't have the ability or the wherewithal. And the coach for me sat at a 30,000 foot view. Yes. He, I was running my hero's journey. I was running my life. He could look down on it. And I just pivoted in my mindset, not seeing him as an expense, but as an investment yes. in me and in the company. And, but also the reality was that I had was I was in hail mary pass mode. Mm-hmm. I, I you know there was there's a little bit of time left on the money, a little bit of time left with the bank before they were going to sh- take everything anyways. And as a as like that last step, I'm like okay, I, acceptance. Mm-hmm. I gave up on what I could not control, pivoted into what I could control, which is hiring a coach, and trusted that he would guide me. And, and, and so anybody who's in your audience considering hiring a coach, if you can pivot into seeing them as an investment, not as an expense, and the ROI on a good coach, when, I, when someone talks to me about it, I say six times investment. So whatever you spend with me, you should get six times return. How you measure that return is something you need to figure out. But the first, for me, ultimately, the return was I got out of debt, grew the, grew the business, but dude. I ended up liking myself a whole lot more. Right, I was a right. better leader and a better parent because I hired a coach and got help. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, I say it this way. If you're in that position where you're saying to yourself, I can't afford a coach right now. That's the time when you can't afford not to have a coach in, in that moment. And, and I love what you're talking about. Change the mindset again from, I can't spend that m- amount of money to, I need to invest this amount of money in myself. 
right? And, oh, and for getting sure. a coach to do that is awesome. Let's dive into then the, the wisdom. So you, you, you have that situation where ego, pride, abdication of responsibility. So many leaders have been in that place. And again, I believe they, I believe we get to this place as leaders by feeling like now I've got the title or now I've got the position or the authority, or now I own the business or whatever it might be. And we see leadership as positional rather than, than this attitude with, within us. And it sounds like you shifted to this ATV model and, and I love it. Authentic, being authentic, being transparent and being vulnerable. So let's dive into those three and what does authentic look like? What, what does being an authentic leader look like in your opinion? So for my opinion, it, it's no, as Shakespeare said, know thyself, mm. get to know yourself. A lot of times when we look in the mirror, a lot of us as leaders, a lot of us as human beings, frankly, do, sometimes don't like what we see. Mm-hmm. When I was writing the book and I was deconstructing all these things that I, I work with my clients on and my coaches work with me, and I still use a coach, by the way, I actually pivoted from a business coach to more of a life by design coach right. who's a neuroscientist. So I understand how hopefully know how my brain works versus mm-hmm. the practicing the law of avoidance, not doing what I know I should do, which magically doesn't get me what I want versus exactly. here's what I want. Here's what I need to do. So I broke the book into two pieces. First part was taking inventory, the mindset, the ATV. And then the second part of the book is taking action off of those choices and decisions and the pivots we make. So for me, it's authenticity is getting to know yourself so that, to talk about the, the title, the book is called From Suck to Success. Mm-hmm. I've gotten feedback from people that they love the title. feels really good. feels very validating. Right. I have gotten feedback from very trusted advisors that they do not like the title. And that caused me to pause. And sure. it caused me to do a deep dive. So what I did is, crazy enough, I hired a coach just for this one project to help me do a deeper dive on who I am as an author, who I am as a speaker, and who I am as a coach. And it came out through there, and in, in it was more of a branding exercise than a self, uh, uh, a psychological diagnosis, but this is what I do. This is how I do it. So when I do talk to my clients or when I appear on podcasts or media appearances, I use the word suck, just like Mark Cuban does. I'm not going to come in and be inauthentic. Right. When I was going back to what is authenticity, when I was being into, inauthentic, I was trying to be all things to all people all the time on all topics, which caused me to be, basically be a fraud because I wasn't showing up and being real. Now I can be authentic with kindness. I can be authentic with heart centered genuineness, mm-hmm. but if I don't think a client's idea is going to be, it's going to be a good choice for them for whatever the reasons yeah. I, I have a lot of different choices in my tool bag on how to be able to present that in an authentic way without being hurtful or insulting or unkind, but still to be able to convey the message across the board. Same thing when I became an authentic leader within my company, I would often show up and talk to my team about, we have these problems, we have these issues and challenges. I don't have all the answers. So what I like to hear is from the room first, and let's have no bad ideas. Let's just get a big sticky note board out there and start writing everything out, get that value, get them to share with me. Crazy thing is, half the time they had better ideas than I had. Right. All I had to do as the leader was say, hey, Jeremy, your idea is great. Or Becky, your idea is awesome. Or Lisa, you've really got a, a really good lean on that. Let's go with your idea. That I never had to show up and say, I don't have any good ideas. Right. It, it, let the part of me, when I show up to, to, to lead teams now, is I let the room tell me what it needs versus walking in with a massive agenda to, to push things down their throat. I think as leaders, a lot of time we think we have to have all the answers to push that through the organization. Whereas in a lot of cases, the organization will tell us what it needs yeah. and we can then give it what, get back to it, what it's going to get. Yeah. I love that. And, and I love how you pinpoint that being authentic, the first task in being authentic is 
self-awareness, identify who you are. And, and I love that example that you use around the title of the book around, and, and it doesn't matter what the situation is, you're going to have input from different people that contradicts itself. So one person's telling you, I love the book title. One, one person's telling you, no, that's a really bad, you should change it up. And how do you make a decision then? Do you listen to this person or do you listen to that other person? Yeah. If you know yourself, you make the decision as to what is the authentic me? And so, I think that's part of the hard work is initially just that inner reflection to identify, well, who am I? So not only is the reflection, it's, it's yes and yes, you want to reflect who am I? But a lot of people don't know who they are. Exactly. They get confused. They get right. So about a dozen years ago, I met a guy named Simon Sinek. Mm-hmm. He's now written this great book, the, the, the Power of Why. So I worked with him for two years to figure out two words. My two words are improve lives. How do I know improving lives? I went to the Ikigai model. For anybody listening, it's spelled I-K-A-G-A-I, Ikigai. And it's a methodology that teaches us, and I put it in my book with their permission, how to figure out who we are, mm. how to figure out where what we love to do People, the, the marketplace needs and people, and, and it's not just three circles laying over it. It's essentially six to nine circles, depending on how layered you get with it. So that you can come out of there. When you want to know your authentic, transparent, vulnerable self. Know why you do what you do. Know why who you are. So for me, when I think about improved lives, it's really easy to make a decision. Mm-hmm. It's really easy to be able to be of service to others. It's really easy for me to to show up for something or to show up for an appearance or because I know for me, I can't live my authentic life of improving lives. If I don't show up, yeah. is it, it, I did do it during COVID. I got an opportunity to speak in Malaysia, I live in Detroit. Nobody's flying from Detroit to Malaysia during right. COVID. I it's bet. not yes. happening. So I had to get up. I had to show up for the appearance. The appearance started at 11 PM my time. And I had great energy. I gave a good, a good talk. I got a lot of positive feedback. I went to one in the morning. And I was pumped because it was my opportunity to improve lives in a part of the world right. that I'd never been to before. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So I, I agree again, I think, and I appreciate you sharing that model in the book because I think identifying who we are in order to then be authentic, it, it, it's, it sounds simple, but it can be very difficult to identify who we are so that we then can be authentic. And to, to share some of the, your own story back to you, you talked about being that, that ego pride centered leader. And when you go and get in front of people to lead and you're trying to put on that mask, you're trying to put on that front of, I, I got it all together. I know all the answers. And you talked about that makes you miserable and well, trying to lead in a way that's inauthentic. You will ultimately be miserable. Because at least for me, I was out of alignment with myself. Right. So I knew that wasn't me. Mm -hmm. I knew when I showed up and tried to fake it till I make it, I couldn't do it. Now, there are certainly times when we have to show up in a certain environment and put on one one face or one mask over another. And I understand that Mm -hmm. for certain things. So I I recently spoke online at a high school. The CEO saw me speak and he told his wife, who was the teacher, and he goes, hey, can can I get a favor? Can I get an hour every time? These kids are in chaos and crisis. I didn't use some of the colorful language that I would use with a bunch of of grizzled, hardened manufacturing CEOs. I can talk to them differently. So was I inauthentic when I spoke to those kids? No, I was audience sensitive. I was aware of my audience versus talking to, again, a bunch of tool and die guys. 
different audience. So yep. I had, but the baseline of my authenticity came through, yep. got great reviews from these kids. I had one kid literally say, Hey, can I talk to you? Will you set up a call with me? And he would just, he's talking about, I lost my sports season. I can't graduate. Mm-hmm. I, I can't walk all these different things. And I use this, I call it my E4 process to get him unstuck. But it was his authenticity that landed with me. Yeah, yeah. He was not going to be a coaching client. He's a 16, 17-year-old young man. Right. But his authenticity and my chance to be of service to him, I feel will pay dividends down the line. So for me, that allows me to be authentic. Yeah, yeah. To, to that point, it, it's there's a huge difference between modifying your message Mm-hmm. so that it lands with the audience than faking who you are, right? Those are right. two totally different. Great point. Um, Absolutely. Things, right? Yeah. Um, well, well, let's dive into, so authentic. So let's dive into transparent. So what does it look like for me to be transparent as a leader? So for, what I think part of transparency, and it bleeds into vulnerability, I mean, this is a, sure. this is a link, ATV links together. Mm-hmm. So to be transparent, uh, I find often comes down to how do we communicate? How often do we communicate? What is the language choices we put out there? Mm-hmm. And how do we deliver it? So I had a, cl- a client during the during March of 2020 who was shut down. They were manufacturing. And she's by far you know one of the largest heart-centered leaders I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And she was, we had talked about, I said, you have to, she was, how do I communicate? How often do I communicate? And we designed a plan. So she was following the plan too. So she was doing the best she could with what she had. So she's sending an email every couple of days to her team, giving them an update. She had like 18 leaders on her team. She's getting no feedback or very little feedback, no engagement. And we're on a Zoom call and she's just, I I think I'm losing my team. She's beating herself up. Her imposter syndrome was screaming at her. Mm -hmm. And she goes, I'm doing everything you're saying. I'm not getting anywhere. So if you want to be transparent, we have to recognize and realize that people receive our message 85% 85% of it's in nonverbals. 85% of it's in tonality. It's not just the words we choose, it's how we convey them. Why don't you try shooting a video? Just get on your phone, shoot a video, send it to your team. She created a WhatsApp group for the, for the team, put everybody's cell phone in there, boom, blasts it out. Within two minutes, she's got massive engagement. She got videos back from people because right. she started by being seen and being heard. So she was yep. trying to communicate. She pivoted her communication. And part of it was, this is awesome. This is the best thing she did. She started off by saying, I'm thinking of you. You're important to me. Your family's important to me. We're people first. We work, we're coworkers second. Mm-hmm. If I can be of any help of service to you, your family about anything, please let me know. And here's the update on the company. Yeah. That made her so transparent. Awesome. It's funny you mentioned that because as you're talking through that story, I, I've got a, a similar one of my own. Several years back, I had monthly all hands meetings with a large team of people that, that, that I was leading. And I'm this natural storyteller, right? I know that when communicating, tying a story to it is powerful and it allows people to connect to whatever you're trying to communicate if you can tie a story to it. But I, at the time, I didn't necessarily recognize that wisdom. I'm just, I just naturally want to tell things with a story. And in a lot of my all hands meetings, with any topic that I was giving to the team, then I would have a story connected to it. I had this one individual that came to me afterwards and he says, you know what, listen, you just always have these stories and sometimes they're long-winded. If you could just get to the point. And it was a trusted team member. I love the guy. He's, he's an awesome guy. And I was glad that he was able to share that, that, that feedback with me. I was okay with that. 
But after that, I, I tried to change it in, in to the point we were just making all, I became a little bit inauthentic. And I, and I was trying to communicate it kind of bullet points and data only, and I became miserable. But also, I started recognizing that people weren't relating to the topics near as much. And in a transparent way, I got in front of my team one day and said, look, I've shifted to trying to be a direct communicator, data only, bullet point kind of thing, but that's just not me. I'm, I'm going to be transparent with you. I got to tie stories to this stuff. And so I'm right. going to share some stories with you. And I was just, again, being transparent with them to say, some of you might not like my stories, but that's the <laughs> way I communicate. And I'm going to do that. Yeah. And that goes right into being vulnerable. Sure. I, I, I can totally see that. And we get, when we're leaders, you, it's important to, to get feedback, I think. Mm -hmm. And part of that feedback, at least that feedback loop for me, is to put it against a thing called the Jahari window. So in the Jahari window model, there's a part of that model where there's a part of you, part of me that you know that I don't know, which is my blind spot. And when I see, when you put light on that blind spot, that gives me the opportunity for some awareness. Mm -hmm. That gives me the opportunity to potentially grow out of the darkness and into the light if it, if it feels right. Now, the, the challenge with feedback is it's coming through someone else's lens and someone else's filter. And if someone like your person in your story is very much about get to the point mm -hmm. and you're more about laying out the foundation of why the points matter through storytelling, you're going to be oppositional at times. And doesn't the great, I did this, this exercise with my clients where I, I sit across from them at a table and I draw the number nine on a piece of paper and I lay it flat mm -hmm. and I say, what do you see, Michael? And you say, I see a six. Mm -hmm. Todd, what do you see? Michael, I see a nine. Who's, I love the client who says, you're both right. Yes. So that allows for otherness. That allows for space to breathe. And that allows us to both say, hey, you might want quick bullet points and I might want to tell longer stories because I want to flesh it out to appeal to most people. Doesn't make either one of us wrong. Exactly. That's, again, I think that's another opportunity for a leader to, to teach, show someone that, hey, I, I love the fact that and it's probably uncomfortable for you to come and tell me that you want me to get to bullet points. It might be uncomfortable for you to share that with me for fear of retribution because you're the boss and I could get fired. You know, people tell themselves stories. But what you're allowing that person to do is, hey, I see you. I hear you. What you're saying isn't wrong. You know what? What I'm saying isn't wrong. We just have to find a way to, to, to especially in today's society, there's got to be a way for everybody to get along. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned that too, because yes, I went back to my stories, but here's what I did. I adjusted the slides that I use and guess what was on the slides? Bullet points, right? Data, right, right. bullet points. While I'm telling my stories, there's the bullet points. And so Love it. For, for those in the audience, man, I'm just, re I'm not listening to your story. I'm just reading your bullet points. Okay, good. Got it. So it, it, it worked out well. As we lead into vulnerability, I, I love this one. I teach vulnerability and you're probably familiar with, with Brene Brown and, and oh all my of gosh, her work love around love vulnerability. Brown. Yeah, I love it. And so I want to jump into this one because I believe probably of the three, authentic, transparent, and vulnerability, vulnerability is probably the less intuitive concept for a leader. Because again, we feel as a leader, I got to have it all together. Everybody's got to think I know all the answers and I'm in charge. And it's not intuitive to think if I'm vulnerable and say, I don't know the answer, that there's a lot of strength and power in that. And that's not intuitive. So let's, yeah. What's your thoughts there on vulnerability? 
in regarding to being vulnerable, I think the leader has to recognize their shortcomings and their limitations because we all have them. Mm-hmm. And so when and I, I saw this interview with Brene Brown where she talked about how the last thing she ever wanted to be was the world's leading expert on vulnerability because she didn't want to be vulnerable, which I thought was just like so yes. incredible because in the outside, I think you're the defined guru on this topic. Mm-hmm. And she's, it was really hard for me to be vulnerable. And I always say to my leaders, you want to be vulnerable, stand up and say, Hey guys, it's really hard for me to say that I don't have all the answers. I wish I did. I beat myself up for not having all the answers and just put it out there. Cause what often will happen is when we share that people will, people naturally want to be helpful. I believe if you've got the right yeah. people yeah. and they want to support you, they see your struggle versus the defensive leader. He's like the yeah, but leader. Cause as soon as I say I'm vulnerable, I have all the answers. No, you really don't. As soon as we say, but we negate what we just said. Yeah. And so when we say, I, I, I don't know, I don't know what I don't know. Mm-hmm. And the reality is going back to the Stockdale paradox, which is you know, in that chapter, Stockdale talked about my brutal reality is I'm in a POW camp. My, my hope is my dream is my wishes. I will make this the defining moment of my life. Somehow I will get through this. Mm-hmm. If we as leaders say we're in the, we're in the midst of COVID or we're in the midst of a recession or we're dealing with this or we're dealing with loss of clients or what have you. And this is our reality. Somehow we will find a way to make this the defining moment of our business that's huge. So I have a great leadership story. I, I got to share it with you and your audience. Sure. So my coach is a guy named Dr. Danny Friedland. He's out of San Diego, California, and he's literally a neuroscientist. He's a medical doctor who studies the brain. Right. In November of 2020, he was diagnosed with stage four brain cancer because he knows so much. He knew right away his timeline was reduced significantly. And so he calls me up to tell me the diagnosis. I'm actually his longest standing client. I've been with him now going on seven years. And he's decided to make this cancer the defining moment of his life. And he decided that because he's decided, this is a choice he's made, a mindset choice he's made. And now he's sharing it with the world is he's decided that cancer is happening for him and not to him. Mm. Now I'm not there yet where I could do what he can do. I agree. But he's made this, his legacy. Yeah. And so now he's authentic, transparent, and vulnerable in everywhere he shows up. He's now leading teams and he's talking about how we can pivot through the absolute worst news possible. Yeah. And he's using himself as that authentic, transparent, and vulnerable leader to stand up there and talk about, I'm excited that I have cancer. And he believes it. And you, you can talk about putting masks on, no masks. Like he shows right, up, he's right. raw. Right. If he feels an emotion, he emotes it. If he has an idea, he shares it. But he approaches everything with massive curiosity with whomever he works with. Mm-hmm. And the, he's just amazing yeah. that he can do that in such a way that you don't – It's we can talk about vulnerability. We can talk about authentic, transparent, but when you see it, yes. it registers with you. Brene Brown, you see it, she registers with you. Danny Friedman, you see him, he registers with you. That's a cellular experience that an audience member, part of your team will pick up on. They don't have to question whether you're being real with them. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because your coach here that, that has cancer and, and, and 
his mindset of looking at this and, and that's called, caused him to the, the authentic, transparent vulnerability. He's put all those kind of things, all those things in hyperdrive, if you will. And what that's caused is maximum effectiveness of his influence over those he's coaching or those he's leading and so forth, because he's put authentic, transparent vulnerability in, in hyperdrive in, in his world. It, it, again, it's, story that I have real quick. I've done this a number of times where I've been leading a team and, and we we had a serious problem facing us. And, and yeah, we did all the right things to brainstorm the right ideas. What's the best idea to solve this problem and so forth. And ultimately as the leader, once we get all those ideas out there, ultimately as a leader, it's on me to make a decision. All right, here's what we're going to do. And there's been times where I said, here's what we're going to do. And I pound the table. Now let's go do it. And I feel like the effort to go and execute on that plan is somewhat half-hearted or something like that. Other times I've made that decision and said, okay, here's what we're going to do. You know what? Hey, just to be honest with you, I'm a little afraid. I'm a little worried about this. I don't know if this is the right answer, but we're going to try this. We're going to give it everything we got and, and we're going to see. And if it's not the right choice, then we'll, we'll adjust. Yep. And when I'm vulnerable that way and say, hey, this worries me, this scares me a little bit then I see the team surround that effort even more so, right? There is no half-heartedness when that's the case. And, and that's what I talk about is vulnerability. It's not intuitive. That brings you influence as a leader, but that vulnerability is very powerful to influence and lead your team. So what I heard you do is you actually describe my E4 process. Yes. So you have, a, you have a, a mindset shift. So for me, going back to the $600,000 in debt, I had a mindset shift. Like being $600,000 in debt was no longer working for me. So that didn't work any longer. So I had created an intention around that goal of getting out of debt. And with that intention, I created a strategy to that intention because I used to create expectations. I used to say, I'm a person of high expectations. That always, that just always burned me. It never worked because expectations, now that I've learned this, are win or lose. I, I expect to win or lose. My intention became, I want to get out of debt. My strategy around that intention became incredibly pliable and incredibly flexible, like an accordion. We tried a bunch of different things. And I would tell my team, like you tell your, told your team, hey, I'm scared. I'm not sure this is going to work, but we're going to keep trying it. And then every time we put mass, the fourth step would be put massive action around the strategy, which tied in the intention, which tied into the goal. And as we did, that's where the active learning cycle for me really took off. Yeah. And the, my team was very comfortable with failing. My team became very comfortable with trying new things because as the leader said, plug into my confidence that we will find a way through this somehow, some way. And if this doesn't work, that's okay. We're going to try yeah. it. It's 10 steps in it. We're going to keep the seven steps that work, get rid of the three that don't, put in new pieces. And, and I've got some tech clients who basically explain to me, this is how they build software. And they, I have one client, he calls it his, his weekly failure of the week. Right. So he, And they celebrate them in their leadership level 10 meetings. And I love that because when we give people the, the freedom to try things, the KPIs to measure against those things, mm -hmm. keep what works, what doesn't. That's where a whole group of people versus just one leader like you or I trying to pull them forward a plow horse. You've got a tribe going in a direction and they're moving and pivoting and shifting. That's, I think, the, uh, the real demonstration uh, of the active learning cycle within a leadership community that drives great results. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Todd, listen, I, I want to be cognizant of your, your time here and I, I want to 
thank you for sharing with the audience here this ATV model of leadership. I'm all in. I, I'm a firm believer in, in authentic and transparent and vulnerability as a leader. And again, I, I know that's why we're kindred spirits here and, and can really converse well in, on these topics. And I want again, I want to encourage everybody, go get the book, From Suck to Success. You got to get this book. Again, I've read it. Uh, about half of it and, and already recommended. I'm excited to finish it on out, but you got to go find the book. But also, Todd, I, I want to give the audience information also on how to further the conversation with you, how to better connect with Todd. For sure. And I appreciate that. The best place to reach me is on my email, Todd at extraordinaryadvisors.com. Visit my website, extraordinaryadvisors.com. And what we're going to be doing on the website for people who haven't read the book yet is we're going to be giving away a free chapter. Simply go to the book, the website, and we'll be happy to give you that. But because I've loved the conversation with you today, Michael, and I want to make sure that, that I live to my pure why, my improved lives mon my mantra. So if anybody's heard me today and they want 30 minutes of coaching time for free, no charge, I'm happy to get on a call with them, talk them through what's maybe their itty-bitty shitty committee's telling them what's holding them back. Email me, Todd at ExtraordinaryAdvisors.com. I'm happy to jump on a call with you. It, it, as, I, as I tell the young man who from the high school said, listen, my job is to, in this world is to make, leave it a better place than what I found it. Mm -hmm. So don't worry about, I can't afford him as a coach or it's going to be a solicit. It's not, it, it's an opportunity for me to have a one-on-one -on -one conversation. I just need you to show up, yeah. lay all in, be authentic, be transparent, be vulnerable. And let me see if I can be of any service to you. Awesome. Thanks for sharing that, Todd. And, and in the show notes for this podcast episode, I'll have links to your website. I'll have links to find your book, but also links to your email there as well. I, I greatly appreciate you serving the audience in that manner and, and offering up that available to them. And again, j just thanks so much for your wisdom. Thanks for sharing the ATV model of leadership with us. We are certainly better leaders having spent some time with you. So thanks so much. Oh, Michael, thank you so much for the kind words. I appreciate you. All right, there you have it, friends. As I mentioned to you, I knew you were going to love the content that, that Todd shared with you in that interview. Again, I just thoroughly enjoyed having the conversation with him. I learned a lot from him in his ATV acronym that he uses for characteristics of good leadership. I know you enjoyed that. Thanks so much for tuning in and sharing that with him a bit. Again, be sure you take him up on the coaching that he offered there. Send him an email. Again, you can find his email address in the show notes for this podcast episode. You'll find that again at credibleleaders.com forward slash 048 as in episode 48. So be sure you check that out and be sure again, take advantage of that coaching opportunity that he's made available to you. And again, also in the show notes, I'll have a link to his book on Amazon. You want to go and get you a copy of this book. As I mentioned in the intro, I read the book. I read the advanced copy of the book and really enjoyed the book. So you've got to go get his book as well. And then, of course, check him out on his website, ExtraordinaryAdvisors.com. Be sure you do that as well. Hey, again, thanks so much for tuning in. As I said earlier, I hope you will share the podcast with your family, with your friends, with your colleagues, those that you know could benefit from this leadership content. I greatly appreciate you sharing that with them. And then again, I'll mention the, the community. Be sure you check us out at community.credibleleaders.com. You want to be a part of our credible leadership community. Gather with those other leaders, learn from one another, attend the live events that we have. We have the replays of old master classes and other events. So you definitely want to be a part of the community. And I hope to welcome you there very soon. Hey, thanks again so much for tuning in. Next week, as we gather together again on the podcast next week, 
We'll go deeper into the 14 leadership traits, Marine Corps leadership traits. I think we'll be talking about judgment next week. So be sure you tune in. Until we speak again, be blessed and lead. This episode of the Rookie Leaders Podcast has ended. But never fear. You can find other binge-worthy podcast episodes at rookieleaders.com. If you liked this episode, please rate and write a review in iTunes. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast. And remember to share this episode with your friends and colleagues looking for leadership lessons of their own. We appreciate your support. For more great leadership content, head over to CredibleLeaders.com.